Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Featuring at least three different books every week. Starring Martha Steele. The weirder the book, the better. Vonnie Golden. Historical fiction with a side of trauma porn. Megan Runyon. Reading YA and whatever her current fixation is. These people are passionate about books maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Pat can confirm or, or deny drag. that the dragon on Ron's book could be Cinder's evil stepmom dragon. It's Much more like evil cousin, yeah. Yeah, see? We're not arguing. We're discussing the book cover. And the person whose back is to the cover with the hat on, what character is that? Fox. I said Carmen San Diego. <laughs> I just when couldn't remember who I just couldn't Carmen remember who it Diego. was. Yeah, that's Fox. <laughs> Trisada was the one like casting a spell. Orchid has the staff with with the yeah. glowing top and Serena, who the artist made left-handed for some reason, although she really isn't. <laughs> I was going to say that artist needs to realize I would never wear a dress like that. Well, and neither would Serena. Except You're right. <laughs> There are reasons in the story. Oh, well, she had a formal ball and then a dragon came in and was like, listen up, bitches, and tried to ignite everything. She was, she was at a at a party hosted by the Imperial, or the Imperator, as his name is, until they let something slip that they had done that pissed off the Imperator oh. and he sentenced them to okay. stadium. Um, <laughs> see, so I was close. I was very close to we were at a ball and then a dragon said, listen here, bitches. I yeah. mean, that's basically <laughs> what happened. So when do I get to hear this book, Pat? I was editing it when you called. Editing the audio. We're, we're about a quarter of the way through. So, oh. yeah. Another book-related news. We had our book crawl last weekend. We missed you, Pat. Yes. It looked like so much fun. You were, very, you were with us in, in spirit. Yes. It was a very successful book crawl. We had... A lot of people that we knew were going to show up. And then we had some new friends that found it through social media show up. So that was super cool. And the bookstores got a little little lift in their sales because we all bought all the books. You guys had a, like a special dispensation from that. Don't buy a new book in yes. 2024. Yeah, we figured yeah. it out. Yeah. So Shona <laughs> G is not participating in the Avoid the Store in 24. So she was our non-biased arbiter. <laughs> <laughs> and she agreed that $3 per book was an acceptable change to the plans because this was like a special event that we don't do normally. So we... $3 a book? That's, that's how much that, yeah. That's how much that's that's how to, how give to, to donate charity. to charity. Oh. Yeah. Because if oh, they buy yeah. a book, they have to give say, to that's charity. That's a cheap book. That's yeah. Well, and then we girl mathed the books we bought at the library book sale because we were no, already no, 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 Martha no. girl math. That was not girl math. That's actual, factual. It's still girl math. So, because <laughs> you still spent the money, so it's still girl math. No, it isn't because the money is going directly to a, sh a charity. Because it's going back to the library. Yeah. So, so we don't need to donate to another charity. So every single book that you bought at the book sale counts as your char charitable donation. On the books that you bought from the bookshop. <laughs> I paid my dues today. I donated to the charity that I picked, which is to help find missing, missing and, and murdered indigenous women. 
And I didn't participate in this charity bullshit at all because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and you, but you don't own a lot of physical books. No, I don't. I so. I was just telling Vani that. What? Yes, you do. That she hasn't read. Okay. Yeah, she owns physical no, books. No, I usually but wait till books. after I read them. Well, I know, but you them. just said you don't own actual no, I, physical I books. I said she didn't own. No, physical. their whole thing is that the. They, they, the reason they can't buy any more books is because they have all the books that they haven't read. Yeah. Yes, I know. Yeah. I'm just I've saying. I've read all mine. She's read all of hers. No, Most I'm of just them. saying it was a misspoken statement. Yeah, you're yes, right. Yes. I have a lot of books, but you I've do. read most of them. I, I think I figured out I have about 20. That you haven't read. That I haven't read. That's pretty good. In book controversy this week, at least in the One Direction fandom. So Liam Payne used to date Maya Henry. And then there li- is a wait. There is a point there past a, the boy band yes, connection. There Go is, ahead. There's a point to the story, and it is book related. So they dated. He was a jackass because he was at a low point and like drinking a lot and just being a general asshole. The fandom accepts this. So then yesterday, last night sometime, Miss Maya Henry posted to her Instagram that she's releasing a book, and it's a quote-unquote fiction book about rough relationships and the cover of the book is so Liam Payne coded that like the fandom had heart failure because it even has his tattoos on the the, the picture of a woman and a man walking yes like in New York slash London like downtown situation he's got a guitar slung around the back and yes yeah so it is super it's and then the trigger warnings are are Kind of got what got everybody talking because the trigger warnings, abuse, violence, self-harm, drug and alcohol use, eating disorders, and abortions were the content warnings. His ex-girlfriend. His ex-girlfriend. Ex-fiance wrote this book and people are not well on the internet right now. The book controversy will be real when this book comes out. I'm going to maybe let book talk and the One Direction girlies read it first. For me, <laughs> and then maybe I will read it. Because I told Martha, if this were just a regular book I saw on the shelf, she I would totally would have read it. She wouldn't have even asked any questions. No. She would have just would have picked it. it up and been like, "Boy, singer, Europe, fucking give me that book." I just feel icky about it. Our only book controversy as a group right now is the fact that we now have even more books that <laughs> yes that we didn't read <laughs> yes. I will say the the aggressive punchback from the indie bookstores at Ryan Walters this weekend has been top tier yeah, social media. That was pretty cool. I don't. We told you about Ryan Walters, right, Pap? He's he is the superintendent of schools. Schools, big dog over all the state, and he's an idiot. And he is like extremely right, right, right wing Christian. I mean, ah. he's he's to the point where. He called the the kite runner he pornography, p- pornography and filth. Pornography yes. was the big one in there though, because if oh jeez, I know, right? So we found it in the racks at the book sale, and I someone had picked it up. I said, "Oh, better buy it quick before Ryan Walters burns it." And there was a lady across from us that said, "Like reading banned books," and she just cackled with us. <laughs> and then at the couple of the bookstores we went to, um, they had there was the last one we went to had a button. Yes. That said, live your life so that if someone wrote a book about it, Ryan Walters would ban it. (laughs) It's basically what the button says. But Best of Books ran Leap Day specials yesterday. 
on bo- on the two books the that two he books. made such a huge deal about, which was The Glass Castle. I kind of want to read Glass Castle now. Right? I've never read that. A I lot wonder. of people have recommended it to me over the Wait, years. The, but- gla- the one by Jeanette. Uh- yes. Yeah, that one. That's- why on earth would he be? That's a wonderful book. Well, well, he disagreed with something. According to him, it. he thought it was pornography yeah. and filth. Best of Books said, Best of Books is thankful and proud of how our community has supported Edmund Public Schools over the past week. Both titles have been restocked just in time for our buy one, get one 29% off for Leap Day. And they took a whole display of Kite Runner and the Glass Castle. (laughs) Because so the Edmund, which is where I live and where Best of Books and Bluebird that we also visited are, their superintendent of Edmund Public Schools fought back and he's suing the state. Because Ryan Walters said that if you don't ban these books, I'm going to downgrade your school's education level. So, like, if you're an A, I'm going to make you a B or whatever, however they rank them. And Edmund Public School said, the fuck you are. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, Edmund has been, the Nextdoor app has been on fire. (laughs) Like the Well, he did that to another school. He did. Yeah. Because Um, in, like, in in Tulsa. Tulsa. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Edmund basically said... Is that it, Jeanette Walls? Wow. Okay, there's a 12-week wait at the library, (laughs) and they have 26 (laughs) copies of it. Yes! 144 people are waiting on that book. If you you want people to to look at something, all you have to do is ban it, and they're on the fucking list. That's crazy. Good job, Oklahoma. Good job. (laughs) Well, I just... I'm 145 in line for the book right now. But yeah, there's been lots of people like on local bookstores like making big kite runner displays and being like, come get me, Ryan Walters. So it's been it's been a fun time on this internet. And- that man is an out of control zealot who has no business being in charge of schools. Busily looking up, why is this book considered pornography? Because <laughs> Ryan Walters said so. Yeah. Apparently. It must say boobs in it. Probably. I think that's kind of like when you hear accidental can- cannibalism. <laughs> you just want to read it so that you know what that means. Like I what? Said, Pornography? It's a, okay, it's I gotta a read it. Gritty book inside. It's about the her. It's an autobiography about how she grew up as the daughter of a homeless family. Wow. So um, if it's an autobiography, sorry, who is he to tell her that her book yeah. is pornography? Well, maybe I don't know what's in this book, so I can't speak on it. But maybe there was some. Whatever. It Some doesn't matter. Sexual content. It doesn't matter if there's sexual content. No, but maybe that's what he was referring to. Yeah, but to. I mean, look at the people who are in school. Yeah. Some of them have some way worse shit going that's on in true. their lives. That's true. What are you going to do, ban them? It's real. He tries. You know, all that, all that does, though, is make people afraid yeah. to talk about things that are happening. Yep. And it makes you want to stay in the closet, keep it hidden, and then... And that worked Shit out real worse. well, didn't it? Yeah. And yeah. then and then people freaking end up dead. Yep. Next. Next Benedict. Yes. I mean, happened that's down so sad. in happened down Owasso. in Owasso, which is down in southern Oklahoma, Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sad thing is, and you don't have to keep this in, is on the news they showed the police camera. Yeah, the body footage. The body footage. Mm-hmm. And what happened was uh, they were making fun of them, and they threw a glass of water in the other girls' faces that was making fun of them, and the girls beat the shit out of them. I heard about that on the national news. Yeah. And then and the next yeah. day, the police, the, on the police body camera, 
the policeman said, yeah, but you, you provoked it. it because you threw the water in their the, face. The girl's face. Yeah. So um, they could press charges against you. So it's better that you don't do anything at all. If so- the police officer told her that when she's sitting in the emergency room because the girls beat her up so that bad. Is that just fucking well, th- terrible? That that explains right there why Next Benedict is no longer alive. If I was that mother, I would have been going off on that police officer. Yeah, but they you do get that moment of fear too, like because they no. either, even if you're mad, you have that police officer who's like an authority figure. Oh, I would have anyways. To like, but you're also trying to I plot how you're gonna like get through it, dude. I've done it before. <laughs> I would I would have gone off on him. Don't think I haven't told a police officer too often my no, day. No, I'm not disagreeing that the police officer was a jackass because I watched it well, on TikTok. Th- what I'm saying is that explains, if, if the police officer's saying there's nothing you can do about it, Yeah. think how hopeless that person yeah. would feel about the rest of their life. And it makes you feel yeah. tiny. Yeah. Because these those girls can do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. And, and now Nex is dead. Yeah. Yep. And there's no uh, repercussions. It's been a rough fucking week here in Oklahoma. Like, it's I think just it crazy. actually happened last week. It was. It was right before yeah. the book sale. Yeah. yeah. We didn't well, get the opportunity to talk about it last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, next was also Cherokee? Yes, Cherokee. Cherokee. Is that the right one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, and it's interesting because under the desk news on TikTok is normally where I get a fair bit of news from. And she has been so incorrect in her reporting of everything with next that like people finally like have come after her a little bit being like if you're gonna report on some shit make sure you get the facts right first yeah because heather from green feather um stitched her and said first off they're not registered members of a tribe they are citizens and just because they haven't had their paperwork completed by their parents yet does not make them any less a citizen of the cherokee nation and I was like, you, t- you go, Heather. Heather is the uh, proprietor the of Green Feather Books, which was the last one yes. on our stop. And she was very, a very dynamic and very exciting person to yes. be around. So I was watching her video on it. And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about it from a, the other perspective of, yeah. the, of the Cherokee Nation. So it was very in- informative. Well, there are so many kids that are going to be put in that same situation. The extremists that are pushing the agenda that we shouldn't allow people to be who they are is causing so much difficulty on the younger population that we're going to see this again and again. We're going to see kids not being able to cope because of it. They're taking away their right to live how they want to. By not allowing their them. Their right to be themselves. Yeah. Right. They're We've making them so fit into this little bubble. That well, no, they're trying to put them back in the bubble. Yeah, they're putting them in the back, um, trying to show Trying them. to put them in this bubble, and that's not where they want to be. No. You know, not everybody so is the same. And now, yep. all of the progress that has been made and all of the good things that have come from it, you know, they're basically saying, shove that back in the hole. But I will say, I was pleasantly surprised that so many people were so vocal on social media about being upset. Because I feel like five years ago, Oklahoma, people would have, like, we would have had this conversation. But, like, the public as a whole of the state of Oklahoma, and I shouldn't say the whole state, but, you know, it was very prevalent on TikTok. It would have been more hush-hush. The younger generation is not having it. 
But it wasn't even like the younger generation. It was people our age that were on TikTok being like, this is fucked and we're going to like do something about it. Read more books. Read more books. Read the books people don't want you to read. So I read a book that was recommended by somebody at work because I work with a bunch of readers. Who we met this weekend. Bragger. Some of them. Not the one who recommended this book, but yeah. Um, I read Ward D by Frieda McFadden. And it is a thriller suspense, even though it was mild. Um, it would be good for anyone who doesn't want to have nightmares, I guess, at night. Okay. It was mild for me. I don't really know. A lot of people like the cozy mystery kind of things, and this isn't a cozy mystery. It's like a step above that. And I have mixed feelings about this book before I go in, mm-hmm. I'll just say. So this book is about a medical student named Amy Brenner, and she is going through residency and is about to do an overnight shift that is required of everybody um, in the psychiatric ward, in the locked psychiatric ward in the hospital. And she's dreading it. Um, She doesn't really want to. She's heard bad things, and she just doesn't want to do it. And it kind of is in the format that it flashes back and forth in her life. So she flashes back to when she's a teenager with her and her best friend. And something happened when they were 16, but you don't really know what it is. It just kind of hints around to it. Her friend has issues. You know she has issues. It says pretty early in the book that her mom had a drug problem. So she kind of grew up in that kind of household. But it kind of goes back and forth. And when Amy first goes to the locked psychiatric, they give her the tour. And she keeps seeing somebody just kind of open the door a little bit to one of the rooms and look out at her. And she doesn't know who it is. Well, very quickly in the book, and this isn't a spoiler because it happens early, she finds out that her best friend is a patient in that psychiatric ward, but she doesn't know why. And she doesn't want to look at her file because, you know, she doesn't want to do it because she's curious and not as looking at her as a patient, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there's also somebody in this psychiatric ward with the locked door. They tell her not to go in. And he is going to a higher security psychiatric ward the next day because something has happened but they don't really tell her what happens everything is kind of a mystery it's kind of frosted over caked in sugar trying not to scare her yeah because she's not really too happy um this you kind of get the feeling that the psychiatric ward is kind of old and dingy like when she puts her lunch in the refrigerator like it hasn't been cleaned out in a while and like there's spoiled food in there and it's just kind of you know has an old ratty couch and they don't get any kind of cell service well then people start disappearing and she keeps thinking she sees things but then the nurse tells her it's something else Hmm. so something's happening and she doesn't know what And now, mind you, some of the patients there are 
not aware. Like one thinks that his father is God. And he keeps saying, my father says that I'm leaving. I have to leave or else this person's going to kill me. And he just keeps saying that. That's I need to leave because somebody's going to kill me. That's a red flag. And they just kind of, you know, like, oh, well, you know, he's not really aware. He thinks his dad is Jesus and yada, yada, so on and so forth. But it just kind of goes from there and it keeps building to the climax of the book, which I, of course, cannot tell no, you don't tell. what no. it is. No, keep the secrets. But, and I mean, it is suspenseful. There is a little bit of gore in it, but not super gory. I mean, I think a teenager would be fine reading this. There might be, like, a little bit of a sexual scene in it, but, like, PG-13. So, yeah, it was a quick read. It was not very long. And now for my mixed feelings oh, on this yes. book. There was a lot of HIPAA and OSHA regulations that were not followed <laughs> in this book. That's your concern? That well, would be you couldn't suspend your disbelief. Not really. Not really. Not really. It was hard. You, you know how I, I am with books. Rules. It, when it comes to hospitals and rules, I can see why that got uh, under your skin a little bit. I mean, yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, well, that one really happened... No. And, like, some other things happen that would be huge OSHA regulations, like some chemicals that were left out. I didn't really like where the book took the storyline. Mm. Other people might. I don't know. It was just, I read it, and I was just kind of, mm, eh, okay. The writing was good, okay, and okay. some people would probably really like this book. But the person who recommended it to me loved it. Brittany read it, and she loved it. Okay. I mean, I would still give it like a 3-5 because the writing was good, even though there was a couple of inconsistencies that I found. Was there anything in in the name of building suspense, did you feel like anything was withheld that normally would not have been withheld? What do you mean? Like like things... I'm I'm asking because I read another one of her books a couple months ago. In fact, I can remember listening to it while I was decorating my Christmas tree. And it was it was suspenseful, but when when things finally got revealed at the end, it was kind of like, no, under no circumstances would this person not have told us this stuff earlier in the story, except to, to try and artificially build suspense. Yeah. It was called Never Lie. It was it kind of it was like yeah, this is this was artificially suspenseful. I would still recommend it to certain people, people who like cozy mysteries or... That's not a cozy mystery. Well, yeah, you're right. It's not really cozy. But I'd still recommend it to somebody who doesn't like something too extreme. There you How go. about that? That works. Okay. Yeah. And that, again, is called Ward D by Frida McFadden. Is it my turn since Keith's uh, not here? I think it is. Your oh, turn. righty. Yeah. So this week, I am reviewing One in a Millennial by Kate Kennedy. And this is a nonfiction. And the amount of people who made sure I knew about this book was a lot. <laughs> I had seen it. And then a lot of people were like, this is a you book. And I'm like, I'm aware. Because I am an elder millennial and oftentimes the poster child <laughs> for millennials in a lot of ways. So the exact time frame of millennials is debatable. 
But this book, Kate said, was 1981 to 1996, which is pretty accurate, I feel like, for millennials. 1981 to what? To 1996. Yeah, that sounds That's about, about right. That's about right. Because Tyler just barely missed the millennial mark. Yeah. He's, what is it, Gen Z after? He's Gen Z. This book, basically, takes you on the journey of Kate's experience of being a millennial, which is why it's one in a millennial, because, you know, not everyone's age group experience is the same. And I'm a few years older than Kate, so some of the stuff that she referenced, I was like, I don't know what she's talking about, because that was, like, past my time of things happening. Um, but it's a really interesting look on what it was like to grow up as the peak millennialness in the 90s and the early aughts. Because she talked about, you know, mall culture, how every you just the mall was like the place to be. And they pretty much raised my generation to be like the epitome of a consumer. Well, it was like that in my generation, too, though. Yeah, but like, well, maybe. I don't know. Malls in the 90s were just a vibe. They had better malls by the 90s. <laughs> like, yeah, that's very yeah, true. I mean, like that was the spot on a Friday, Saturday situation. Uh, so that she talked a lot about how... And this kind of goes really well with, like, the the Barbie movie. Like, if you kind of had, like, a girl power weekend, these would go well together. Uh, because she, she talked about, like, Bath and Body and how, like, the epitome of smell was country apple or cucumber melon. And I was, like, cackling because I was, like, and warm vanilla sugar. And I was, like, don't hate on warm vanilla sugar. I still buy warm vanilla sugar. Uh, so just lots of things. Talking about, like, American Girl dolls and how... Um, you know, everybody had their own doll, or not everybody, but, you know, people kind of had their own American Girl doll, and you'd sit there with the magazine and, like, pick what you wanted, and the the idea of what, like, a fancy bedroom set was kind of based on what your ideal American Girl doll was. Like, her ideal was, like, Felicity's antique poster bed with, like, the gingham top over <laughs> the canopy, and, like, all, or Kirsten, sorry, that was Kirsten's, not Felicity. But it was really interesting look at things of how gender divided it was, especially in the 90s, because 90s was kind of the height of youth group culture as well as consumerism culture, uh, and how that really shaped a lot of my generation and our perception of things, because so much of the, the church philosophies bled into pop culture that, like... You could, like Britney Spears, right? She had to be the girl next door. And as soon as she did the Rolling Stone cover with the Teletubby and her midriff showing, all of a sudden, like, they're, like, slut-shaming her. You know, so it was, like, this really odd dynamic of growing up being like, oh, I have to be Britney Spears because she's, like, the girl next door. But I can't be too much like Britney Spears because now she's viewed poorly because she, you know, took a photo for a magazine without a t with just her underwear on or whatever. So it was a really inter good look. I think, at the kind of the dichotomy of trying to grow up in the 90s and the early aughts. Um, talked about, like, the games that were very, like, gender-driven. Uh, Dream Phone, Mall Madness, Pretty Pretty Princess. Because the whole point of Pretty Pretty Princess was to get all the jewelry so you could be the most powerful princess. <laughs> and the, she was like, what that taught me was that I needed all the shiny things to have all the friends. <laughs> and I was like, she's not wrong. Uh, and I never thought about how much my generation like had a like, quote unquote lifeguard, lifeguard culture too. 
And I didn't even connect to the fact that Baywatch was such a big show in those times that, like, everybody was like, oh, I want to be, like, the cool summer lifeguard on the on the ocean because they just look like they're so, like, they're so fit and they're so tan and, like, they have the best day ever. And I was like, oh, my God, we really all were, like, everyone grew up in the summer. I was like, I'm going to be a lifeguard. <laughs> uh, so it was just, it was fun. And then she kind of moves on to, like, her college years and many of us have talked about this lately that we find it so hard to buy clothes for work because the clothes that we wore out in the early 2000s were it was like just business casual we were like we're gonna wear this jacket with this statement necklace and our heels and like it's what we would wear to work now and so it was funny when she was talking about like oh yeah you know when you go out versus when you go out out and I was like that makes perfect sense to me but I don't know if because you could go out but if you're going out, out, that was a different outfit. Makes sense to me. Okay, good. Everybody's following <laughs> along. I just really enjoyed it and laughing because she just drops like random song lyrics like throughout the whole book. You'll just be reading along and be like, oh, Backstreet Boys song lyric. Oh, NSYNC song lyric. And the all about like the culture of how us growing up with social media and like AIM instant mess, like the away messages being our early introduction to like writing and that, you know, was, you had to be so specific on how you crafted that away message. Uh, you know, you had to have the Kelly Clarkson lyrics if you were mad at your boyfriend or, you know, dashboard confessional lyrics and you had to time it just right. And it was kind of funny because I was like, oh, my God, yeah, it was like a whole thing because we didn't have cell phones. So your away message was you crafting an essay of your day, basically. Be like, at class, then to lunch, off to dinner. Hit me on the cell if it rings. <laughs> like, it was, I was like, this is so, so true. And I could just visualize, like, sitting at my computer in my dorm room being like, what's the perfect away message? Because it was really important. Things I, I was, feel like you're, ta- you're speaking a foreign language right now. Oh, and then they, then they were talking about, like, why are we surprised that there's like the millennial girls are like the girls now who use like crystals and are like considered witchy because they're like you raised us on like magic eight balls and ouija boards and then wondered why we were like oh crystals (laughs) you know it's like oh my god there's so much truth happening in this book it was hilarious because i never really connected like the witchy like girl vibe to the fact that we all had magic eight balls and ouija boards but i was like it's valid so this was one of her quote, kind of like describing, explaining a millennial. From the outside looking in, you can't understand it. And from the inside looking out, you can't explain it. The definition of a millennial. And I was like, yes. And it was just fun to go back on that like pop culture ride and talking about how, you know, the diet culture of the early aughts and the, you know, how skinny could the Olsen twins get before somebody was like oh my god they're too skinny now or you know that kind of dichotomy because we look you look back at like even Katie Holmes I was re-watching um first daughter the other day and I was like damn like they were so skinny and they probably they probably felt like they weren't skinny enough because it was the early 2000s and we all had like the low-rise jeans so you had to have like nose fat on your body and have hit your hip bones sticking out. yeah and so it was just I, I with the whale tail. I, I literally wrote overly skinny Hollywood for the two thousands messed us all up, but it was true and it was a struggle. And like looking back at pictures now, I'm like, man, we really all were very skinny. And she also talked about, and I think this is so true. And I was like, I feel attacked. Also seen that 
the millennial, especially elder millennial, idea of romance was solely based on rom-coms and boy band lyrics. And then we wonder why our expectations aren't met in real life. And I was like, that's so rude, but you're right. Because I was thinking about like, that was the height of rom-coms, right? Like that was 10 Things I Hate About You and all those things and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and Backstreet Boys were singing about how this I promise you and I'll never break your heart and all those songs that shaped my generation, my old, the elder millennials for sure. But this boy doesn't meet the level of Backstreet Boys songs, so he must not be worth my time. (laughs) And I was like, it's not wrong. And I'm ashamed of myself now a little bit. She spends a lot of time talking about her experience going to different churches because that was like what everybody did because she was in the South. She was in Virginia. It was it was a good read. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not all the way through the last part, which is more of her adult life, but I still enjoy it. There's lots of Gilmore Girl references, Team Logan Forever, and if you're a millennial, this book is going to slap you in the face and then hit you in the feels and then be like, okay, now I understand myself better <laughs> than I did when I started this book. There are times where it gets a little repetitive, but overall, I've enjoyed it. And that is One in a Millennial by Kate Kennedy. Awesome. Pat. I have a very funny book to Yay. talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's one that I bought at a library book sale last year. Unfortunately, the kind of library book sale that was held because they were closing down a small branch library and disposing of the books. So sad library book sale, but still, I got this book. It's called Big Trouble, and it's by Dave Barry. I love Dave Barry. trying to find Martha now. Hold on, Pat, before you dive deep. Breaking news on News 9, the U.S. Department of Education has opened an investigation into the Owasso Public Schools. Ah. Finally. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was, like, trying to flag Martha down covertly, and she wasn't looking up at me. (laughs) That's because I was excited about Dave Barry. Okay. I'm sorry, Pat. Go ahead. That's okay. Back to our regularly scheduled book review. (laughs) So Dave Barry, if uh, you might not be familiar with him, he wrote a humor column for the Miami newspaper for 20 some years and it was syndicated all across the country and i loved his humor columns his sense of humor connected with my sense of humor and he would always make me laugh out loud so when i saw this book that said an actual novel by dave barry (laughs) which is what it says on the cover i was like yes i'm in at the heart of big trouble is a character by the name of arthur heck who is a totally despicable businessman. He works for a company called Penultimate, and they build, they get government contracts and build a lot of government buildings, and they they lowball their bids and they chisel and cheat on their construction practices. And so buildings fall down, people get hurt and killed. They are just, they are a loathsome company. He is a loathsome member of this company, and he makes the very bad decision to embezzle from them. They have found out about this and they've hired two hitmen to take care of Arthur Heck. So this is going to sound kind of like the 12 days of Christmas, this rundown of characters, except that, (laughs) (laughs) but at the center of the book, so we have Arthur Heck. Then we have two hitmen from Jersey who have been hired to come to Miami and kill him. We have two small time crooks who are, 
dumb as a box of rocks and looking for a big score and they stumble into the path of the events going on in here. And when I say kind of dumb, they're trying to pull off a heist and they buy pantyhose to put over their heads as a disguise, but <laughs> they just grab the first pantyhose they can find at the dollar store and they turn out to be black pantyhose so they, they can't, can't see, see through them very oh, well. Oh my God. <laughs> and they have the... They don't have the legs over their face. They have the panty part over their face. Oh so the God, legs so are hanging really out can't see. and look like long rabbit ears. Are they from Florida? <laughs> yes, they are. Yes! They are. Florida man strikes again. <laughs> then we have three teenagers who are playing a game called Killer. And in this game, everybody who signs up or opts in to play the game is assigned someone else in the group that's playing that they have to quote unquote kill by shooting them with a squirt pistol in front of at least one witness. And one of these three teens playing the game is the daughter, the, actually the stepdaughter of Arthur Heck, plus these two other boys, one of whom has a crush on her. Then we have two Russian illegal arms dealers who are pretend they have a bar that they run very badly. They don't really want customers in the bar to drink. They just are using it as a front to deal illegal weapons out of the back room. We have three cops, one of whom is a totally vain, musclehead glory boy who is just into flexing his arms, and that's about it. Musclehead glory we boy. One... <laughs> this is the best cast of characters we've had in a long time. I love him. <laughs> One halfway decent supervisor and one very competent, smart, savvy cop on the beat who is also a woman. And I love that about this Of course this book. she is. Of course she is. We have two FBI agents trying to track down the Russian arms dealers. And basically, whenever they're accused of doing something, well, you can't do that. That's illegal. They say, we're operating under special executive directive number 648-F, and we can do anything we want under that. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just total bullshit. But So they're making their way illegally around through most of this, trying to track down the Russian arms dealers. We have one homeless guy who is a little on the simple side, but very sweet and very strong. And he ends up hanging out at the bar owned by the Russian arms dealers and picking up the occasional job because they'll say, hey, you want five bucks? Carry this heavy box out to so-and-so's van. And he can, he can heft this box of illegal weapons, take it to the van. And he also happens to be living in the tree in the back of Arthur's yard. <laughs> so he is, he is connected to this whole thing. We have Arthur's long-suffering wife, who is just about, she has reached the point where she's ready to say, I am divorcing this idiot, because he's an <laughs> idiot and an asshole. We have the father of one of the other, of the teens who are playing killer, the father of Matt, who is kind of the Dave Barry-like character in this whole novel, uh, who's been fired from his journalism job and is running a one-man ad agency where he's dealing with idiot clients, particularly a client who has something, who owns a company called Hammerhead Beer. And he all he wants is a picture of a guy on a boat with a girl with big boobs hanging out of her bikini and a headline that says, get hammered with Hammerhead. <laughs> <And that's, laughs> 
So he's like trying to talk him into a somewhat classier ad campaign and, and failing. The sort of father who, when his, when his son says, dad, I need to borrow the car. What for? Because I need to go kill Jenny. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. Because <laughs> they're playing killer. Then there's the Hispanic maid of the Arthur Heck family who spends most of her time trying to avoid his unwanted advances and eventually falls in love with the homeless guy living in the tree. Those are the major human characters oh in the book. Oh, my God. That's a lot of freaking characters. I don't know how you kept them all straight because I haven't oh, yet. The way it's written, though, it's not It's not hard to follow. It's, okay. it's, I don't know how to explain the fact that it all works, but it all works. Then we also have a 13-foot python that's loose at the airport. Yay. We have eight goats loose on the highway leading to the airport and tying up traffic. And one very, very, very stupid dog who spends most of his time trying to get the giant poison toad who has moved into his food bowl to move aside and let him eat. But the toad is sitting in there eating the dog food instead. And the final element in here, because we don't have enough elements, is one nuclear warhead. Just a small one. Love but Just a little <laughs> nuclear activity to round it out. Yeah. As it's described, about the size of a garbage disposal. But... <laughs> And I couldn't even begin to describe the plot and the way all of these things intersect. Plus, it would give away a lot of spoilers. But this book is hysterical. And just, just to give you one little taste is the point at which Arthur Heck, who is by this point, through a various series of events, he is handcuffed to his own entertainment center. <laughs> The big, dumb, muscle-flexing cop is also handcuffed to this entertainment center, and they're trying to get out of his living room, and they figure the only door they can get it out through is the glass, the sliding glass door that goes out onto the patio. They go crashing through this door. It all falls down, and Arthur Heck lands with his face in the dog's food bowl, face-to-face -face with the giant poison toad who spits poison into his eyes, and it's it's not going to kill him. It's hallucinogenic because some some of those poison frogs are that way. And he begins just tripping his balls off. <laughs> and the way that this manifests itself is that he thinks the stupid dog, which is his dog, is actually Elizabeth Dole. And she is trying to steal his soul. <laughs> So anybody who gets near him, he's like, don't, don't stop her, stop her. It's Elizabeth Dole and she wants your soul. <laughs> like Dole, like the president? Like, like yeah, like like Robert Dole's wife, Elizabeth, who was the what the headed the transportation department for a while. Was a very <laughs> yes, very respected woman in politics. And but this guy is hallucinating that his stupid dog named Roger is actually Elizabeth Dole. I cannot tell you how funny this book was. The uh, One of the things that made me go, hmm, not besides just the fact that it was by Dave Barry, is on the back is a blurb from Stephen King who says, this is the funniest book I've read in 40 years. I literally fell out of my chair laughing. That's high praise right there. All right. Yeah. I'm definitely getting this book. And then I figured out why Stephen King probably fell out of his chair, because at one point there's a, descri a description 
there's some debate about, well, if there's a nuclear warhead that unknown people may or may not have in the area of Miami, should we warn the public? And the cops go, oh, no. Or actually, I think it's the FBI that says, oh, no, 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 you don't want to warn the public because every idiot with a gun, and in this town, that is every idiot, is going to be out creating gridlock. It's going to, and the whole, the whole town is going to look like the end of a Stephen King book. (laughs) 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 However, here's a, here's a side warning. Don't watch the movie version. I, I finished it and I thought, God, this would have made a hysterical movie. So I looked it up and sure enough, they had made a movie out of it. And I watched it and it's mediocre at best, which is a shame because it's got a great cast. It's like Tim Allen and Stanley Tucci and a very young Sofia Vergara as Mm. the Hispanic maid trying to avoid Stanley Tucci's advances and (laughs) a, a really great cast. First problem was, The movie came out, was scheduled to come out in September of 2001. And there is stuff in it about about bombs, about all kinds of, and so bad timing. So they they pulled it. They didn't release it until about six months later with practically no publicity. And so it really tanked at the theater. But what the movie is really missing is Dave Barry's narrative tone of voice as he describes this. Because it's, it's proof that just the events, they're funny enough, they're okay, but it's Barry's narration that really makes it hysterical. And you didn't get that part in the movie. So don't bother with the movie, but do read the book, Big Trouble by Dave Barry. I totally just ordered that because our library didn't have it because it sounds hilarious. <laughs> it does sound pretty hilarious. Okay. I have something completely unfunny. Okay. This week, I'm reviewing a book called Under the Storm by Christopher Carlson. It's a book in translation, and it's the first in a series of mysteries. But actually, what's funny about that is that I read the second book in this series first, and it was really good, and I wanted to review it, but I knew that people hate it when I do that, so I try not to. This is one of those Scandinavian noir type books, so it's really dark. One of the things that makes that type of mystery unique is they're usually very slow burns. It takes its time developing the mystery, and this one's a really long one, because in the beginning, a house catches on fire, And inside is a young woman. They later find her boyfriend, who was also in the house. He smells like smoke. He's got blood on him. Basically, they they don't even look for other possibilities. They send him right off, and he goes to jail. The investigator for the crime doesn't really start asking a lot of questions. There are some things niggling at him about it that make it feel like like it hasn't hasn't been resolved but basically he's told to forget about it so one of the main characters is the nephew of the guy who goes to prison for this murder and his name is Isaac he is basically he hero worships his uncle because his dad's real busy and he doesn't get to spend a lot of time with him so he spends a lot of time with his uncle 
And then his uncle gets convicted and sent off to prison. Well, they live in a small town. So, of course, people talk about it, you know, and they they look at Isaac as if he has that blood in him and they treat him as such. And he even begins to question, Isaac does, as he grows, well, if my uncle's capable of this, then I must be as well. So the book is almost in two parts because we see Isaac when he's 10. And then a little bit later on when he's 18 is when the second part of the story takes place. And Isaac finally decides to hell with it. I'm going to go see my uncle in prison. They've had no no contact with him at all. Since Isaac was 10, he goes to the prison and he talks to his uncle. And his uncle still says, I did not do this. And so... Isaac kind of starts doing a little bit of investigating and the original person who was in charge of the case has left the police and was very unsatisfied with the outcome of it. And he starts to kind of look into it again. And of course, you get a lot of extra detail with the families of each of these people. So some people might consider that noise or like... That whole slow burn thing really puts people off sometimes because it, it doesn't happen fast enough for people. But I really liked it, and I liked the fact that it took, it was almost like being in the investigation yourself when you're, when you're going through this. And it was so well written to me that I didn't mind reading. I'll tell you the truth about what happened. I got to a point in this book yesterday where I should have been going to work. And the book was so tense at the ending that I put the speed up just so that I could get through that part of the book because there was no way I was going to work right in the middle of that. It was so freaking intense. There's a big storm that takes place. There's all these extra things that happen. But the ending is not anything like what I expected it would be. It didn't feel like one of those endings that was there just to put off the twist. Yeah. The mystery itself was good but the characters were so good that I just felt and I felt the same way about the second one as well the second one was so good it was called blaze me a sun I'm definitely going to be reading all of the ones that come out and are available at our library because I really enjoy a good thorough mystery uh, and murder investigation All of the stuff that I read on Goodreads, people kept saying, oh, it's so long, it's so long, it's so long, it's so long. I don't know. Maybe maybe I just really dig that that noir thing, the Swedish noir. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fantastic. I wish that I had had more time yesterday to listen to it on a slower speed because I, I, I needed to finish it before I went to work. I, there was no way I could go if I didn't finish the book. You know, you're phone goes with you to work no not not when you're reading a book like that I was absolutely (laughs) I was a hundred percent in it's been a while since I've read a book that I was that involved in that I couldn't think or do anything else I had to finish it so instead of calling in sick you should have called in intrigued (laughs) you're right I should have I should have said I'm sorry there's something really important going on in my book right now and I just can't be bothered to work (laughs) Be like, cough, cough, have to record from home. (laughs) I I really did consider it, honestly. (laughs) 
My allergies were terrible yesterday, and I could have I could have made it happen. <laughs> Honestly, though, if you are a mystery lover and you really like the the Swedish noir or you like the British murder mysteries where it's not all wrapped up in a pretty bow in 30 minutes without commercials or the ones with the extra twist at the end just for the hell of it. I like the story that goes with the investigations sometimes more than I like the actual mystery. If you're a lover of mysteries, you really should keep him on your radar. Christopher Carlson in translation, and it is called Under the Storm. That sounds like it might be kind of similar to another author you and I both like, Martha, that Juicy Adler Olson. It, yeah, th- that's exactly what it reminded me of. It didn't have the same humor on the side uh-huh. stuff that you got from his books where, you know, he had a little, there was a little humor in there too. This is like, no, there's no humor in this at all. But it, it really has the same flavor of taking your time to solve something. Nice. Yeah. By the way, Megan, your fangirl stuff earned me two, two points in the last week. <gasps> I have been, I, I play a lot of trivia. I play a couple online trivia leagues and I just started playing Geeks Who Drink, which is an in-person, in, in-person trivia thing at, at bars. Okay. And one of the uh, contests, had a question about what is the name of the album that Taylor Swift just announced she's putting out. I was like, I know that because I know Megan. Yes! And the other one was, you had to identify a song that was somewhat disguised. And somebody else in my team identified it. She leaned over. She was like, what was the name of that group that Harry Styles was in before he went solo? I was like, what direction? I know that because I know Megan. <laughs> See, I guess there is a skill in there somewhere, Megan. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. I feel Very really nice. vindicated in my life that Pat <laughs> knew something for trivia because of me. I, do, I but, did. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about you this weekend. I don't remember where where it came up, but I know we were talking about Jeopardy. Oh, mm. I did it this morning or this afternoon on our TikTok. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking about her this weekend, though, because yeah, we I were. can't. We said something about. You said we were talking about how smart Pat was, and then we were talking about a specific book, and I said, well, if if Pat read it, and if I read it, then that makes me smart like Pat. That's, that's, I do <laughs> that's re- what we were talking about. I don't about, remember yeah. what the book was, but I do remember this part yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, I don't remember the book. I just remember the just know that we were saying nice things about you. Oh, thank you. I texted Martha when I got here and said, on my way up, and then I said, I, and then I was waiting, and then I was like, Hello? And so I did a TikTok while I was waiting, and I said, does Pat have the Jeopardy song on speed dial? Because I'm just sitting here waiting for Martha to come open the door. I was actually doing a spot, which I don't do very often anymore because they've got this new... The way the service works is that we have people all over the U.S. that work for Cumulus that do spots. So the jocks don't have to do spots very often. So I was in here with my headphones on doing my job and Megan, who skives off early every Friday, <laughs> sitting out in the in the lobby, texting me, wondering why I'm not responding. Um, yeah. Thank you to everyone who came out to the book crawl with us. That was super fun. It was super fun. We're going to triple confirm the date, but I'm pretty sure we have the right date. But in a month or so, and we'll announce the official date soon, we're going to do a book mingle at Second Story Books here in OKC. So people can come out, and it's not like a book club. You don't have to prep. 
And you don't have to come buy anything. You don't have to buy it. You can get some really good tea and coffee, though, I will say. But uh, the whole object of the game is to meet book friends. Yes. So what we've done is we've created a way that you can look at somebody's name tag and see exactly what they like. So each genre has a different jewel. Yes. So a person, when they come in, they'll make their name tag and they'll put jewels on it depending on what they like to read. So when you get inside, you'll be able to look at that person's name tag and see if they like what you like. Yep. So you can start up a conversation about books. And we'll have little table talkers that tell you what all the jewels mean. So you don't have to try to remember. But that'll be coming in April. So it's about a month from now. But we'll post about it a whole bunch. Don't you worry. The meeting of book friends is absolutely vital. Yep. I mean, without Pat, I would have gone out of my mind. She and I are definitely the book, the bookiest of book friends from way back. Um, without you guys, I would probably have a lot more money in my savings account. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't blame that Thank shit you. on me. That's a compliment. A, I'll take it. It's a compliment. I'll take it. It's a compliment. <laughs> As I'm spending a whole lot of money to fix my car because my car, in the middle of the book sale, forgot how to go into car mode. Yeah, that was a whole other drama. Oh, yeah. Luckily, Phoenix had tweezers, and I learned how to get my car out of park by using the gear unlock button that I only knew existed because it happened to my friend Stephanie and we used the car tweezers so I could get my car to go into gear. And no, it's not it's it's not a stick shift. It it's an automatic and it locked up. So now you know that you can use tweezers to make your car move in an emergency. Yeah, if you have the gear unlock. So now we know that all of our weird obsessive plucking disorder came in handy. And my need to carry tweezers in every bag and Mm -hmm. in the cubby of my car. Yep. Phoenix to the rescue. I still have the car. They're in my car that's been at the shop. Oh, my God. She left her tweezers with you? They were. She said they were cheap, like Dollar Tree tweezers they weren't i would never had more i would never leave my tweezers i had to have them i couldn't (laughs) move my car without them (laughs) my car would be sitting in downtown oklahoma city for the past five days (laughs) bonnie you've been awful quiet over there you sleeping Mm -mm. no i'm just listening we gotta think of something to end this with something tweezers cars i was trying to bring back the the facial hair removal well, line to get you, us into something funny, but I mean, we can all remember the early aughts where we tweezed our eyebrows to within an inch of their life. She did not. Kate did not mention that in her one in a millennial. She must not have been one of the obsessive eyebrow pluckers like the rest of us who had serious that, eyebrow that issues. Is one thing when when you talked about how you know her stuff and the the whole thing about being skinny, I don't think. That the millennials get exclusive claim to that. No. Because no. I, I will swear that every body image issue I have ever had on my whole life can be laid at the door of one of the early supermodels. Twiggy. Woman by the name of Twiggy. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. Every generation had their supermodel that was way too skinny. I agree, though, Pat. Yep. The, seven, <laughs> the 70s and the 90s had the same kind of, like, body image issue. Where it was like you would have been sixties or sixties, yeah, yeah, dude. In the eighties, it was cool to have a eating disorder. I'm just saying. Yeah, it kind of was. Even I had, and I was like 110 pounds soaking wet, and I still thought I was too fat and needed diet pills. 
Because it was it cool. Was that's culture. what you did. Yeah. That's and why, that's back when the diet pills a, were good. Before was, they took out the before they took out the harmful stuff. Before they took out the amphetamines. <laughs> I think all of us have suffered at the hands of diet culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, lunch was a a Dexatrim and a diet Pepsi. They talked about yep. like salting your lean mm-hmm. cuisine within an inch of its life just so that it have a little bit of flavor. We're this all is, a part of it. This is this is yep. we're all screwed. There was a lot that you were talking about in that book that it was like well, yeah, that's that's not just millennials. No, but that's just being a woman. But I do think the advent of or just a social teenager. media the did social not media help stuff. our cause. Yes, I'll agree. Social that's, media really exacts like you had face. Yeah. Well, and then I loved she talked about um, how like back when Facebook started, like now everything's like so curated and perfect and like Instagram, like you're doing it for the gram. When we first got Facebook, it was like, I took 77 pictures tonight of like the same thing that like barely moved. And I'm going to upload every single one of those fucking things and tag you and everyone. And I was like, that's so true. Like you'd get up Sunday morning and you'd be like, how many fucking pictures was I in last night? And it would just be like, there was no discretion. It was a roll. Yeah. It was like, (laughs) now people would be like, oh, Maybe we shouldn't post that one. <laughs> in the just... early days, you'd get up in the morning and somebody had put a picture of you on there where it looked like you hadn't slept in six years yeah. and your hair was all wonky yep. and you looked drunk and they're like, oh, isn't this a cute picture? No. no. Get it off. Take my face off of this thing right now. <laughs> oh, the early days of Facebook really was the Wild West of social media. I did yeah. have a unibrow in the middle, though. Still I have, have that. Yeah. I need to pluck mine. I pluck my face. I just, yeah, no one ever tells you that as you get older. Like, my mom, I remember the first time I was like, what in the hell? And then I was like, mom's like, oh, yeah, blame your grandmother for that one. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, grandma. Thanks yeah. for Yeah, well, I'll get, get Like that one stiff yes. little hair in the center bottom of your chin. Yeah. That- one. I wish like I only had one. Make it go spring. Yes. <laughs> and it's never like I swear you could get up in the like go to bed at night and you're like cool and then all of a sudden in the middle of the day at like lunch you'll be like where the fuck did that come from? It's like an inch long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're like, good lord, that wasn't there two hours ago. Yes. Oh my god, it just boinged out. <laughs> Stupid. Dude, I wish I only had one hair like that, though. I got lots of those. If I didn't pluck at least every other day, I would have a full-on goatee. Same. No, I wouldn't have a goatee. I'd have a chin beard. Yeah, I got well, my little razor thingy from I'm Amazon. Just a little. Now you're not making me so self. Now you're making me self-conscious. <laughs> we're all touching our faces right now. Oh my god, where are my tweezers? Ah, Phoenix, my tweezers. I need my car tweezers. <laughs> I can tell you right now, we're all gonna be tweezing on the way home. <laughs> then we could make bookmarks with a tweezer on the end of them, so it's hanging out of your book and like handy right there. <laughs> oh my freaking god! <laughs> That is the best idea ever. Bookmark tweezers. Never be without them. And that's going to do it for Three Three Book Book Girls. If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production. 